Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist. A confidence boost before your interview. Or a last minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is a crowd podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Chloe Garth Crooks. To be more like Chloe, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show, and become an official sponsor today. You're listening to The Marler Show. It isn't on the radio. It's a podcast, fool. You listen anywhere you go. The Joe Mahler Show. Hang on. <laughs> you don't even have to read the script for this first bit. It's just, just you and me talking nonsense. Yeah, I know, but I'm just getting my thing, my eggs in a in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Your ducks in a row, or are you getting some eggs in the same basket? There's eggs in a row. Ducks Is it not row. eggs in a row? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck <laughs> off. Well, all right, you think that's a piss take? Like you still put eggs in a row, don't you? How do you how how are your eggs presented in your house? They are. They come pre-presented in two rows in the egg box. And then what do you do with them? Uh, I break them. What, just there and then? When you, as soon as you buy them, you just break <laughs> them. You're, and I'm meant to be the moron. <sighs> Joe, we've got a little bit of a problem before we start today because... Incontinence. We can't call our guest by their actual name because they're sort of undercover on our show. What name shall we give this person? You, you've got the spy back, have you? The spy that Steve lost, you've got back. It's funny you should say the spy who Steve lost because that almost sounds like a James Bond film. And Joe, today's guest, cool Shirley Bassey impression. is James Bond. Next week is James Bond. This week is... Diamonds are forever, forever. Is that Nelson Mandela? It was Nelson Mandela. (laughs) (laughs) Shirley Bassey's biggest... I was actually going for Sean Connery. Sean, you're doing Sean Connery. Diamonds, they're forever, you know. He still sounds like Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our diamond 
expert that we've managed to track down needs to be called something else. Suggestions off the top of my head. Uh, Steve. Leonardo. No, there was a reason why I said Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Tom. Why Steve? Well, Joe, you enjoy playing rugby. Actually, you don't enjoy playing rugby. Joe, you play rugby. Imagine if you went to a club based in the northwest of the country and their former director of rugby greeted you. Borthwick is a type of diamond, is it? Further north. Listen, listen, put together the name I gave you. You mean Stuart. Do you mean Stuart? (laughs) Used to be at Leeds, Stuart Lancaster. Put together the first name I gave you, which was? Steve. And the topic of today's show? Expert. (laughs) Very good. All right, I'm playing the Pratt. Don't worry about it. I got it. It's Steve Diamond. I don't know about Steve. What about uh, Denny? Denny. Denny. No, Denny. How are you spelling it? D. It doesn't matter. D A N N Y. Okay. Denny Archer. Oh, okay, yeah. From Blood, Blood Diamond. Diamond, yeah. T I A, eh? Yeah. Get the zebra off the core. <laughs> you know, you think my accents are bad. I know he. I know full well he doesn't listen, which is a, is a real shame. But Leonardo Caprio's accent in Blood Diamond is dog shit, and. In my opinion, I don't want to get done for defamation of character or something like that, but that's just an opinion. So what are we going with, Danny or Steve? What do you want to be called? Yeah, so I think Steve, considering I'm a sale fan, so let's go Steve Diamond. Sail, sail, sail away, sail away, sail away. Loads of things are on sale today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is the worst start we've ever done to this show. I, actually, podcast. Think, I actually think it's the best. Um, so... Fuck you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, do you own any diamonds? Have you ever bought any diamonds? I have. I I'm not sure whether I can talk about it. Oh, we're doing a podcast where we can't call each other by our proper names. No, we can. I think. Oh, we can. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That's. I'm yeah, not... I can call you by your name, right? Because yes. I'm planning on that. Okay, yeah, fine. fine. <laughs> um, but you know, we're talking about stories that potentially we're worried about talking about. And do I own diamonds? Uh, I bought diamonds. I don't think I own them anymore because I I gave them to my my beloved wife having keistered them from <laughs> South Africa or that's certainly what it felt like because I got so scared bringing them back to this country even though I had all the correct paperwork I did everything right with taxes and all that lot I still felt like a criminal did you where did you purchase them South Africa Sud- right because I'd actually uh, organized for the boys on the tour uh, towards the end of the tour you know a diamond guy to come in and we set up a secret room um, and guys would go in there one by one. <laughs> oh, no, is, it it out loud? is it definitely to do with diamonds, this? Yeah, so I organised that because I wanted to sort out diamond. Apparently that's what you do when you go to South Africa. You just sort out diamonds. So, like, boys were coming back and forth, like, all right, you dip in, dip out. Like, oh, God, the way I'm <laughs> describing it is fucking dreadful. Who bought the biggest diamond? Oh, I can't disclose that. I genuinely can't disclose that. Right, just right. Don't don't say it out loud, but mouth the, their name to me. You got you got to move your lips. <laughs> Who say again? Let's go back to the South Africa bit. Yeah, dodgy. South, yeah. So anyway, I ended up getting a couple of diamonds. Apparently, they're cheaper. Or that's what the. Funnily enough, that's what the diamond guy said. Oh yeah. Even though that didn't seem that way, and then it often crossed my mind why am I doing this why am I actually buying a diamond for my wife as a gift like wh- why 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 do I have to buy a, 
a diamond for engagement? Why do I have to buy it as a push present? Or like, wh- wh- where's that all come from? Have you bought Murph a diamond before? No. But Is you- that why you're not married? Because <laughs> you don't want to buy the diamond? <laughs> I'm In some ways, I'm slightly disappointed that you have bought Daisy a diamond because I thought, Joe, that you and I were slightly differently wired when it comes to the idea of marriage. You... Um, had absolutely no ceremony or fatherly farfar about your marriage to Daisy, and I've gone even further and still haven't married Murph. So the fact that you've done something conventional on the way to a very unconventional wedding in some ways uh, upsets me. Right, Steve, I, I, I would like to know what is the most expensive diamond you've ever had to commute? No, you've ever had to compute? What's the word? Is that what you're trying to say? Travel? Move. Transport, Move. transport, fuck. So there's there'll be two, right? So you've got an item of jewellery worth seventy million pounds. Pardon? An item How of jewellery worth seventy million pounds. It was seven red diamonds um, in one piece of jewellery. And I don't know if you know Joe, but coloured diamonds are extra valuable. For look at your what face. What do you mean yes. coloured diamonds? So I only heard that there's like a diamond that is yellowy, and then the other one is pink. Right, yeah, so you've got, of diamonds that get mined, right, about 30% of them are used for jewellery. 70% of them, which are basically piss colour, uh, are used in drills. Because a diamond's are- 70% are used in drills? Yes. It's the hardest thing on the planet, is a diamond. The only thing that can scratch a diamond or break a diamond is another diamond. Harder than Ellis Gange? It's harder Good. than Ellis Gange, and it's funny you should mention that, because there's a hardness scale, right? A diamond... Is a ten out of ten on the Moa scale. The Moa scale is how hard an, uh, an object is. How is Moa? Moa? Like M O H S, like Moe's, like Moe's from Simpsons. Okay. All right? And I was thinking to myself, like grading <laughs> like Moe from Simpsons. Good, <laughs> I was yeah. like, I was grading uh, rugby players on hardness. Ah, right? yes. And you've mentioned Ellis Gange, and I was thinking about Haskell, for example. No, because he's yeah, well, not even in the conversation. Well, he he was high up there for that me. is horseshit. However, <laughs> however, when I realised that he could be so impacted by water, <laughs> that put him quite low down the most scale, more towards a one. But initially, he was quite high up. But Ellis Gange would be up there. Definitely. Yeah. Where would it's a one to ten scale? Is it one to ten? Where is Joe? Uh, nine. Hmm. Ten doesn't exist. What do you mean it's a 1 to 10 scale and then 10 doesn't exist? In general, in life, 10 doesn't exist except a diamond on the most scale. So if you were saying how good was that person out of 10, 10 doesn't exist, so 9. So basically you're a 10, Joe. Uh-huh. Well done, mate. What? You look so smug. What a way to, you know... Look at your face! Smother me up. No, love a bit, lather me up. What's... <laughs> butter me up. Bl- butter me up. You're, you're lathering me up with butter. And I don't know how I feel about it. So that was 70 million... Was that was seventy million? Yeah, because so red diamonds at the time were the most valuable color, right? So a diamond's worth whatever someone will pay for it, okay? Because you can't go. There's seventeen thousand red diamonds out there. So what's the average price? The price is because they're so rare. Whatever someone will pay for it. And at the time, red diamonds were the most rare. So that item was valued at seventy million dollars. What was the other one? It's a bit of artwork which I can't name. <gasps> that was. Um, Worth more towards 100 million US, 75 million pounds at the time. Artwork? Yes. Made mainly of diamonds? Yes. It's a fucking about diamonds episode. (laughs) (laughs) He's not transporting a piece of artwork. (laughs) 
might be. It's, it's made of steel. No, but it might be mainly made of something else with one massive diamond. Oh. What I'm doing, Joe, I'm looking at you as if we could work We're out trying to what dig this thing what is. It is. Well, let me, let me just list some items, and we won't say it, but we, we'll know. Me and you will yeah, know. The like listeners it. won't know, but we'll know by his body language. Like, and also the fact that you're holding a knife um, <laughs> to him to actually tell us. And I'll say these items that are diamond encrusted or, you know, diamond covered. You know, remember that episode you said that uh, flammable and inflammable yes. mean the same? <laughs> yeah. Y- you may have been right. But how about this? You know, encrusted yeah. and crusted yeah. mean the same. This is the second time you've looked smoked today. <laughs> Just saying. I'm sad that's the research I've done on it. Right, here we go. Was it an old school Game Boy? What do you think, Tom? Because he, like Steve, can't actually say. I would say no. Why would you? Why would you crust or encrust an an old school Game Boy with diamonds? Well, because it looks fucking cool. Why would you crust or encrust anything with diamonds? Because it looks cool and it shows off your wealth. That's how it is. The twenty five grand that'll cost you that Game Boy. So it wasn't that one. Okay, what about a toilet? Was it a toilet? That must be quite hard. It wasn't a toilet. No. Wouldn't have fitted in your backpack. Why would you want to sit on a toilet made of the hardest substance in, on the planet? Uh, well, there's some people that need toilets that are made of the hardest substance on the planet. Oh, I've always... Have you? I have actually recently broken my toilet lid. Yeah, I was bathing the kids and then I just sat down on the toilet lid and it snapped and the kids were just like... <laughs> <gasps> I, was like oh, I don't think Daisy's noticed yet, so shit, I've just dropped myself in it. So that's not a toilet. What about a bra? Was it a brassiere? It was not. So it wasn't a Mercedes. That was an option, was it? Mercedes, $48 million. What? Prince Al-Walid of Saudi Arabia commissioned a car covered in diamonds for $48 million. Yowza. Okay. I, I, I don't want to keep pushing Steve on this, to be honest, because I'm starting to... I can feel the tension in the room change. So it was extraordinarily expensive... Can we assume, Steve, that you could carry it? Yes. So I carried it. You carried it. Um, were you on a commercial flight? Yes. Oh. And my colleague had another item worth a not dissimilar amount. So we had two of us together. Yeah. Did you do it in one of those suitcases? And I'm sure, Joe, you would have liked one of these suitcases slash briefcases, which was handcuffed to you. Like Boris the Blade in Snatch. So that that's that that's the common misconception is you guys are picturing you know from the movie someone in a suit with handcuffs and a briefcase. Nah, because the idea is to be like as incognito as possible. So you don't want to fly economy just because it's too risky with such value. But flying Good first, excuse. Well yeah, exactly. Yep. Thank you, Air Miles. But flying um, first obviously puts you on the radar. So you just fly business and you try and just wear jeans and a t-shirt off to see a family member or whatever in another country. And in your rucksack is crazy. In value. your rucksack, yeah. So does that not go off in airport security? So yes, it does, but you arrange special clearance. <gasps> so you don't How? have to do the same clearance. You forewarn them that you're coming through as a secure carrier and your colleagues will come with you with the paperwork because you need a lot of paperwork for these items and you'll go through a separate clearance. Is it a back- it's just a standard backpack? Standard backpack, but inside the item is specially packed. Did you at any point take the backpack off? Let's say you needed to go to the toilet before you got on the plane. <sighs> Did you go to cubicle and just pop the backpack on the floor? So it was, that, it was absolutely chaotic. I won't lie. It, we'd planned it beautifully, but the particular artist flew with us. So he knew we were on this flight and he knew what we looked like. So when we got on the flight, 
and I've put my item in the overhead locker, and my colleagues put his, and we sat down and. <laughs> so like, don't fucking lob it just in like that. It's like you've got you've got this artist turning around, being like, "Everything okay?" Like oh. thumbs up, and I'm just like, "This guy next to me's noticed him," and staring at me, and I'm like making my eyes roll, being like. Pff first class drunk wanker don't know <laughs> ignore that guy and he's like, he keeps turning around like smiling at me and I'm like I don't know this guy the guy I'm next to you like stands up and starts like rooting around the overhead locker like pushing my back and I'm like oh, eventually oh, I have to say no. something I'm like excuse me are you okay he's like looking at me like you patronising bastard I'm absolutely fine I'm just going in the overhead locker oh. eventually he decides to sit down and I spend the whole flight just like sweating it was petrifying when you got to the other side because I'm thinking, Joe, there might be a heist opportunity here. Like, yes, the paperwork's been done. Someone slipped someone else. What? How are you getting a heist in a plane? No, when he's got off the plane. Oh. You know, and you go through security, and yeah. then you're there waiting for a taxi. Yeah. Steve. So this is where it got even worse, actually. So when we landed, we'd arranged a couple of special cars to be there to take us off. First class off-boarded first. This particular artist, who had a few too many took the vehicles without so us both. Well, you, and his entourage and I'm then stood there with my colleague wanting to get on one of those transit lorries now like, you've got to get on these with other passengers I'm like no no I can't I'm a special courier I, I, I can't I need to wait for another vehicle <laughs> I can't I'm a special courier yeah, hang on this is where it's backfired that you need to look incognito if you're in a suit and like dark glasses and you had a, a suitcase with the the chain on and yep. a fake hand and microphone in your ear then people are taking you seriously but in your jeans and t-shirt and your backpack they're Correct. like fuck off mate you're here to travel exactly mate. here to travel <laughs> but eventually the pilot came down with the stewardess like look we're now going on the next van if you don't go on it you will get arrested <laughs> So I'm just like, right, okay. So the next van comes along and it's just me and my colleague get on it. We're airside. We could just be whisked off anywhere and flown anywhere. It was a disaster. Luckily, we went to the right place and I think I found the only licensed hotel that would serve us um, once we eventually delivered the items. It was petrifying. I really, really want to be a diamond smuggler. I want to know, Steve, about diamond heists. Yeah. Are there more heists? than we think or are there far fewer there's not many because they're so publicized you'd know about them um so there's a few i mean you guys might have seen a few years ago the brussels heist where they stole 50 million dollars of diamonds in about 20 minutes um, How? two fake obviously police vans crashed through a fence and drove up to a, it was an inside job so it's quite well planned they drove up to a plane which was being loaded with diamonds which get flown in the valuable cargo hold and within, yeah, I think about 15 minutes, they loaded 50 bags of diamonds onto the truck and drove off. Were they caught? Uh, they were caught. The diamonds were not. They got into, back into the mix. How does that make you feel, Joe? Did you want them to succeed or fail? Uh, I Usually I, like, I, I want them to succeed in those stories. Um, especially, what was, what was the group of old men? Was that the Hatton Garden ones? Hatton Garden yeah. heist. Yeah. That was a load of old men, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Like, and although I'm basing it on watching the film, but yeah. I wanted them to succeed and just because they're old men and they had the kahunas to go and actually do it because they were bored. Yeah. And I wanted them to then just live their lives in there. And then the fact they got caught, I got really upset. But in terms of the Brussels people, I'm not sure what they're like. Were they old? No. Fuck them then. No. <laughs> no. Nah. 
No. They shouldn't be able to get away. Professional with it. criminal gang. Yeah, we don't support that. Yeah. No, we don't no, support no. that unless they're old. Unless <laughs> they're old, then it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, because like they're you know, it's, it's play on, isn't it? Well, they were old. They were strong enough to drill through a wall. Still, those old gentlemen on Hatton Garden, weren't they? So, because they did drill through a wall and climb through it. So. Yeah, but I bet they had one of those diamond drills. Yeah, very like good. It, you like that? Yeah. So, what is the? If that was unsuccessful, the Brussels one. What was the most expensive successful? Diamond heist. Oh, it was one at an exhibition uh, in Basel World about ten years ago, where nine and a half million dollars worth of diamonds were stolen by some criminals, obviously, um, who distracted the salesman with some models and managed to unscrew some showcases and heist away three stones worth a combined nine point five million dollars. Mod- models, as in human models. Yeah, so that's quite a common technique is to distract with either good-looking males or female staff members whilst the criminals go about their business. Um, Steve, are you familiar with The Wrong Trousers, the um, Wallace and Gromit animated film? No. Uh, I've heard of this. That will make the next bit difficult. They basically, a penguin, This none of this will make sense, a penguin tries to steal a diamond. Right? I, yeah, you're looking at me with the exact expression I expected when I began this explanation. Um, don't worry about the penguin or the wrong trousers, although I do see it. The diamond is protected in this thing by loads of those like red laser beams that inter that cross over. You know, yeah. sort Joe, don't you? Do they exist in real life? Yes. The laser beams. Yeah. So you have to like learn choreographed dances to beat them. If you want to beat them, yeah. Fuck. If Joe wanted to steal a diamond in that case, Steve, what would Joe's best option be? Oh, there was a case actually, which where we had there was um, and the claim was paid. There was someone who used to cut and polish diamonds, which I'm guessing you don't know much about, but that's where. What do you mean, cut and polish them? So a diamond obviously initiates as rough, right? It looks like a bit of ugly rock. I'd say, I'd say it looks like a, a, a small, rough piece of carbon that is bonded together by over, four, o- over four billions other, of years. Over a billion years, yeah, approximately one and a half to three and a half billion years ago, um, using five to six uh, gigapascals of pressure to form. Yeah, um, <laughs> roughly just, 100 miles below the and Earth's surface. And, and just to give you an idea of what that sort of pressure is, if you picture 80 elephants, so 80 of them, all stacked up on top of each other, yeah? How are they balancing on each other? Not important in this question. Please continue, sorry. <laughs> so there was a, yeah, there was a guy who used to cut and polish diamonds and he grew his hair extra long, slicked it back and pretended to be a rocker. So when he was doing it, he'd be banging his head up and down like Led Zeppelin, collecting tiny diamond particles in his hair and then going home, washing it out into a tiny sieve and collecting the extract. And what? He gathered together quite a lot. I think it's about two hundred thousand dollars. Fucking hell! Like, so your beard would have to go nuts, Joe, just to get that, wouldn't it? <laughs> hang on. So he he was cutting it. So he was polishing on a wheel. So tiny bits of diamond would be flying off, like tiny, tiny bits. And while he was doing that, he'd be rocking out, head banging, uh, head banging, collecting it in his hair, tiny bits of it, and going home and washing it out. Did each additional head bang not dislodge the previous lodged bits of diamond? Uh, well, I think he greased it up quite a lot. I so, see. Yeah, he was pretty well prepared. That's a good story. Why did you have to pernickety it? <laughs> With the grease. <laughs> obviously, obviously, he had greasy hair. 
So the diamond stuck? Yeah, obviously. Are you saying that would be the best way for Joe to do it? Um, yeah, because quite a lot of... I don't know how good Joe is with his hands. Um, Can you see that my uh, middle finger is... The, the tip of it is actually facing the wrong way. It should be straight, but it's actually pointing at, I'd say... What angle is that? Like four different angles. Well, yeah, thanks. Uh, and that gives you a mark. And the fact that they're shaking, um, and every morning I wake up in pain in my hands, um, tells you that I am fucking good with my hands. <laughs> very good. Very steady good as a rock, especially in the rock. But that's vibrating really quickly. Because <laughs> <laughs> another main way of stealing them is like sleight of hands, so doing tricks, so quickly taking a fake diamond and a real diamond when you're looking at them and switching them. Do you mean a? Uh, by fake diamond, do you mean a moissanite? Or cubic zirconia, but yeah. No, no, you mean moissanite. Definitely yeah? moissanite. Tell me more, Joe. So a moissanite is, is, a, uh, is, a f- is a fake diamond that looks just like a diamond, but it's not a di- di- diamond. And it, do you know what it's worth? Tell me. Fuck all. <laughs> that's a quote from snatch any snatch lovers will appreciate that sorry I, personal joke to my head sleight of hands not going to work for me not eating for it me. might that, can you eat a diamond or would that cut up your insides because they're like it cut up your insides let's try it now? I should have brought some really yeah. sorry mate I know guests normally bring things I should have really brought yeah, some yeah what have you bought actually um, no diamonds no diamonds that I'm going to tell you about maybe at the end Joe, this is amazing, but we do need to have a little break for some adverts, and here it comes now. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And action. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. (laughs) 
Right, it's that time in the pod where we thank our lovely Patreons, the official sponsors of The Joe Marler Show. Long, tall Sally Wenham. Three names in one, it's Niels von Hinton-Reed. That's four names. Four names in one, it's Niels von Hinton-Reed. John, shall he, shan't he, Sheldrake. Claire Blacko or Blako? Joshua Batsy Batterton. Jim Wood, would you? Darren Dazzler Greenfield. Why does it always rain on him? It's Jack Travis. To be more like Sally, Niels, John, Claire, Joshua, Jim, Darren and Jack, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and grow the show. Well, there you go. Those were the ads. Steve, as someone who's made a living in the diamond trade, uh, what is your single best diamond story? <laughs> um, so I worked on a exhibitions. These are diamond and jewelry exhibitions. In these exhibitions, you've got a couple of billions worth of diamonds in booths. And instead of booths selling hoovers, you've got diamonds with showcases with safes with CCTV. When these diamonds come to be unpacked, they're unpacked in quite a frantic rush. And we've had a couple of cases where whilst unpacking... Some clients have thrown diamonds in the bin, 50 to 100K's worth of value. Oh, my God. And uh, they get to the end of the show and they're like, oh, I'm missing a diamond. I'm like, oh, where is it? Don't know. We watch the CCTV back and you see them just unpacking frantically and you see, unfortunately, some diamonds wrapped in bubble that they just tossed in the bin. That I pray a cleaner got, because uh, if not, they're just gone. Oh, imagine that, Joe. That, see, that's a nice story. Yeah. It's like the old men from Hatton Garden, that, yeah. but with even less with violence or criminality. Um, what is the markup, Steve? Let's say Joe and I were in a diamond mine, which would be a slightly strange place for us to be, Joe, and we found a diamond. Um, and then we fast-forwarded to a diamond expert shop in Antwerp. Mm-hmm. How much more money would that diamond be going for? Uh, probably about three or 400%. What? And then if you go from the diamond shop in Antwerp, which would be a wholesale diamond dealer, Go to uh, Bond Street jeweler here. Add another couple of hundred percent. Why? Branding, marketing. I don't know. People like playing for the box. This is ridiculous. This is like so. If you wanted to go and buy a stone, go and look at a stone on Bond Street. And, and what then, am I looking for? So look for an engagement ring that you wouldn't be buying, but just have a look at a standard engagement ring. Say five, ten k, fifteen k. I don't know what. Yeah. Then go to Hatton Garden. And see what roughly the same size and quality of diamond would cost in Hatton Garden without the branding, without the marketing, the advertising, and you'll save 50%. 50%. Are you, are you sure it's the branding and not the fact that I've just gone and met one of the old geezers that stole loads of diamonds and he's given me a, a knockoff price? Could be that. Could be that, which is why paperwork's very important. You don't want to get mugged off, do you? When we're looking at buying a diamond, Tom, which you apparently are never going to do because. Mm, possibly. A, you're a tight ass. Um, B, by the sounds of it, you don't really love Murph enough. Um, and three, this podcast isn't making us anywhere near as much money as we'd hoped, so we can't actually afford to buy a diamond. So, But if you were a gazillionaire and you wanted it, do you know the four things to look out for? Is this the four C's, Joe? It is, it is, Tom. Let's talk Hit about me. It. What are the four C's? The four C's, Joe, are colour, cut... Clarity and carat. 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 
Now, I always thought it was carrot, but it is carat. And what is carat? I have no idea what a carat is. It's it's weight, isn't it? Yeah, it's the size, yeah, is exactly. And just what that leads me nicely onto, the biggest diamond ever found. Do you know it? I would guess that it's the Koh i Noor, which is in the Crown Jewels and is also generally a curry house in most suburban towns. So you did, Tom, you said the Koh i Noor, did you? Yeah, have I said that right or wrong? You've said that right, but it's the wrong answer. Oh. The the right answer is the... Cullinan. Cullinan, or the Cullinan, or the Cullinan, Cullinan. Arit, Cullinan. Arit, hey, he did. See, Eugene, I got you singing in the back of the van. And he's like, oh, what is this? The Cullinan, how big is it? It's called the Cullinan, and it's uh, 3,100... <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yeah, it's immediately lose like, you know. Okay. The Cullinan, it is 3,106.75 carats. Or carat. Do you say carats or carat? carat? I say carats. But... Okay, so carats. So, What it... does that mean in layman's terms, in terms of its weight? Is it, could you pick it up? Yes, definitely. Of course, it would fit in your fist. Oh. Fucking hell, mate. Were you, were you thinking like a boulder size? How many did you say? 3,000 or something? Yeah, carrots, 3,100 3, carrots. So you can hold it still, yeah. You can okay. still hold it, mate. It's like, it's like a giant, you know... Uh, have, you, have you ever eaten a heart from a horse? <laughs> this is sounding very Game of Thrones. Well, like Khaleesi. Yeah, have you ever eaten a horse heart? No. No? Ludicrous. What about a cow heart? No. Have you ever eaten any heart? No. Okay, right. So picture eating a horse heart... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you've... I can't because I've never seen one. I've never. Okay, well, it looks like it's size of two fists put together. Put together. Okay, and you're holding that. That's the size of the Cullinan. Um, and it, although it's massive, it's not the most expensive. Can you take a guess at what what the Cullinan was worth? Is worth? Uh, I'm going to say, so it was 70 million was the artwork that Steve referred to, but that sounds like it was multiple diamonds. I'm going to say one big diamond is worth more than lots of little ones. Joe, I'm going to say it was worth 84 million English pounds. Steve, any idea? But question, are you talking about it as the original large stone or when it was broken down? Here we go, here we go. So what was that fact you want to add to my fact? So it was... (laughs) It was broken down into 100 small and 9 large. Three of the 9 largest are in the crown jewels. Really? There you go. I meant as a whole, but... As a whole, before it got cut down, um, it was worth $2 billion. $2 billion? $2 billion. Who gets that $2 billion, Steve? Well, most of these mines are part-owned by the government in the location it's found. So it would be the government and the particular... Diamond House, whether it's De Beers, Alaros, or whoever owns the mine, would get their share. So as well. the bloke who has got his pick and shovel, which I'm sure he doesn't have a pick and shovel, but let's say he's got a pick and shovel, or woman, or woman who who digs the Cullinan out, what slice of the pie are they getting? Uh, unfortunately, I don't know for sure, but I would assume none. I know we partially joke about you know the thing, but the more digging, excuse the pun, the more digging I did in the diamond industry, yeah the dirtier it got and I don't like it I don't like it I don't I don't see the point first of all 
the fact that we've been convinced by marketing that diamonds are what you should buy to profess your love is to buy a diamond mm-hmm. by spending three months worth which apparently is a made-up figure by the japanese years ago when they were convinced to spend two months worth on diamonds it's bollocks yep like de beers create this massive um book of how to rule the world using diamonds which is stockpiling all the diamonds then that's then, all it says in the book no my my book my seven step book actually is please help with the timing of it otherwise it looks really okay fine my seven step book from the de beers number one control the supply two limit the supply three create demand four link spending to success five define the value a bit feeble six use price as marketing like that one and seven if you can't beat them join them was that what does that mean (laughs) is that just general (laughs) advice no so that one's interesting because how 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 are diamonds made like how are diamonds traditionally made under high pressure high temperature underneath the ground about 100 miles underneath so they've they've all come from under earth about 25 million years ago there was these random explosions that shot all these diamonds up to the the surface a lot of them just evaporated because of the seismic areas that they were in but the non-seismic areas these diamonds were just fucking everywhere as in to to go and mine a lot in russia which is actually people think all the diamonds come from africa don't they but russia's the biggest supplier of diamonds tom you know did you know that no Fucking hell, this, the smuggery is fucking appalling for me today, isn't it? It's because I got well into diamonds. I had to try and justify why I've spent fuck knows how much on these stupid things that just sit on people's fingers. Um, so that, that so it's from all the pressure of that lot. But then I was like, surely we can just make them now. Surely we, we make them. Yeah. And we do. There's, there's two different main scientific ways to do it, which is the... So you've got lab-grown diamonds with a high-pressure, high-temperature, yeah, which is the main way, uh, and they can be grown. Grown? Grown. Yeah. Wow. So it takes the, about a month to do that. Yeah. Right? A month? Why, why don't people just grow them all the time? They've started. Are they better? Can you tell the difference? Yeah, so they are literally identical to look at, to weigh. If you gave it to a standard gemologist, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference. So that bit where I said, if you can't beat them, join them, when people decided to start making them, De Beers were like, oh shit, hang on, we've lost control of this now. We've lost control of being able to dictate all the prices to everyone. Right, let's make them ourselves. And then what, what we'll do, we'll sell them dirt cheap as well, even though they're exactly the same as the ones that you find under the earth. We'll sell them dirt cheap to convince the consumer to go, it's better to buy the precious ones that we've stockpiled over hundreds of years Whoa. and bring the fucking price down of all these these man, man-made ones. Ludicrous. De Beers, I'm sorry, they can get fucked. Steve? Uh, De Beers and Alarossa, both of them, right? So they've got 40% of the market each and they're both dominating it. It's the definition of a monopoly. Um, I've got a philosophical question for you, Steve. So if diamond is the hardest thing in the world and only diamond can cut diamond, 
How the hell did they cut the first diamond? Da, mm. ah, that's a good question. Da, but. <laughs> But why, when they cut the first diamond, why can't they still use two diamonds? Because diamonds would have come out of the mine not one at a time. So they still had two diamonds when they came out in rough. So they can still use one diamond. So what you're saying is it's not like the chicken and the egg because one diamond does not give birth to the second diamond, thus rendering my smug point meaningless. (laughs) Joe, what have you got next? I've got a phone call from Southampton. Uh, that I just need to take quickly. Okay. Can we put on speakerphone? Hey, is that Lee? Yeah. Hey, Lee, it's Lee sorry, mate. I was going to drop you an email. Um, yeah, just listen, I just wanted to come down and try it. I wanted to get a time for you on Sunday. Uh, no, no. Uh, I've got five minutes. When will I have five minutes? About half an hour. I'll have five minutes in about half hour. Oh, can, you, can you give me a call back? Yeah, of course, mate. On this number? Yeah. Yeah, legend. Cheers, Lee. Take care, mate. Bye. Yeah. Trying really hard to not listen to the conversation, but it, it's <laughs> nice to have got that sorted, Joe, anyway. Sorry, bought yeah. a new car, and I? Have you? Yeah. Go on. <laughs> well, before your phone rang, Joe, I was actually asking you to get me out of the chicken and egg predicament. That yeah, I and I was going to do that with, obviously, it's not like the chicken and egg, is it? Because... No, I know, I've realised that, but you were meant to help me out. Rather than, rather than underline the foolishness of the comment I made, yeah. you were meant to take it somewhere else, thus uh, sparing my blushes. Yeah. Steve, I would like to ask you about how diamonds are cut. All right, now it makes sense that you could cut a diamond if it was the first diamond to be cut. But if Joe were holding a diamond in his fist, can you just do a fist shape for me, please, Joe? Um, And that was the raw diamond. How much smaller would the cut diamond be? So you'd turn the rough diamond into multiple So you'd use 3D imaging to work out how many polished diamonds you can get from one rough diamond. And then that's why the round brilliant cut is the more expensive, because obviously the round shape, you're going to get less of them than if you do like the different cuts, like heart shape, marquise cut, and you can basically play Tetris with a rough diamond. So you want to turn that rough diamond into as many as you can, like the Kalinian one, which became, what, 109, technically. So these different cuts, have you seen the names of the different cuts, Joe? I'm going to run you through a few of them. The baguette... Self-explanatory. Shaped like a sandwich. Shape, shaped like a French sandwich. You can only buy them in France. The Marquise. Any idea what shape that is? It's uh, like a roof-type angle, and then you've got two, you've got two poles coming off the front, and then two poles coming down the thing. It's actually quite a unique shape of diamond. The Princess. So it's, it's shaped like Elsa. Heart. So you know, have you ever seen a horse? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a horse's heart? All the time. So it's shaped like that. The briolette. That is a um, little bit of... So it's a round It's a round shape that smells like cheese and you can rent it out to people. And finally, the pear. Pretty self-explanatory. There's two of them. Um, Steve, that was one, two, three, four, five, six different cuts. Of those six different cuts, how many did Joe accurately identify? Um, not many, Joe, I'm afraid. Uh, but it, great suggestions. We should actually get some of them changed, I think. Especially the, so marquee, any, the marquee, any right. the marquee one would I think be the marquee one would make yeah. real good sense. Actually. I think that would be class. If Could you put those in order of expense, please, for cut? So we've got baguette, marquise, princess heart, briolette and pear. So it's going to vary a lot. The problem, you're going to get this all the time from diamond dealers. Oh, it varies, it varies because of colour, cut, 
etc etc so round brilliant would stereotypically be the most expensive i just find it really fascinating that they're they're worth so much money like why why is that because essentially you just buy diamonds to however they're presented whether it's on a watch on a necklace on a ring or what earrings you're buying them to then just show other people that you're really rich i don't get it Basically, but the idea is you try and buy them as an investment. So you'd buy a super rare one or you'd find a very special one with made by a special jeweller, worn by someone special, and then sell it in 10 years' time for more because the value will go up. So people buy them mainly as investments. Mm. Are they also quite, let's say you were worried about the situation in your country and you might have to flee at some stage. Is a diamond quite a handy way of storing your wealth? Yes, and that goes back to when, obviously... Like certain people were quite persecuted, they couldn't own sheep and land because you've suddenly to disappear in the night. Uh, you couldn't do that, whereas you could grab a bag of diamonds. So, Joe, rather than buy a new car, mm. perhaps you should be investing in a couple of cheeky little diamonds. Yeah, but they're not going to get me to work every day, are they? But you've already got a car. Yeah, but it guzzles fuel, mate. That's why I'm getting a polo. You're not getting a polo. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Okay. A polo. Get me back and forth from work. Yeah, okay. Auto trader. Sense. Yeah. You know? Lee. Just spoke to Lee. Sort me out. Got to pick out from Southampton. What colour? Black. Mm. It's got racing stripes on it. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, can I finish by asking you um, if you yourself own any diamonds? Uh, just an uh, engagement ring. So you don't have any diamonds, Tom? No. Murph's got no diamonds. Not for me. You fucking horrible, nasty you, you piece of shit. You've gone from saying you hate the diamond trade and it makes absolutely no sense yeah. to upbraiding me for not participating in the very trade that you profess to hate. Yeah, mainly because the reason you're not participating in the said trade I hate is not because of the said bollocks that goes on with it. It's because you're too tight to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I'm going to pose a question to you then, Joe. Why should you profess slash show your love for someone with a sparkly stone when you can look them in the eye and tell them? Now that I've said it all out loud, there's part of me that wants to go back home and just take the rings off of Daisy's fingers. If, and that, say, if you do that, film it because I'd like to see it. But she's, I, I know her so well, I know her so well, that she definitely feels the same. If I explain to her, like, the bollocks that is the diamond industry... Still film this. Oh, still film it. <laughs> okay. And she'll definitely just go, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Give definitely. Up, give up these two fucking massive diamonds with a little pink... What's the pink one called in the middle? In the middle? Yeah, I, I, got, a, I got a pink one in the middle. Um, sapphire? Is it a sapphire? I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's pink, pink. Yeah, pink would be diamond. Sapphire would be uh, blue. Ruby red. Oh, no, no this green. is a pink thing. Yeah. It's not a diamond. Oh. Joe, uh, would you like to thank our guest? Oh, you're funny, Daisy. Yeah. It's important. I think it's a really important thing. Mugwump, you're right. Yeah, good. Uh, just a quick one. You know, on your hand, you know that ring you've got, one of the, the one with the two stuff. What's the pink one in the middle called? Uh, it's a sapphire. Can you get pink sapphires? It's very rare, yeah. They're very rare. Is it a pink? Is it a pink sapphire? Mm, don't 
She doesn't know. She doesn't even know what's on her finger. Days. So what's the point in it? Days. If Joe comes back and he takes all your jewellery off your fingers, how are you feeling? Well, for what purpose? What's the purpose? Ethical. Ethical. Like, now that I've done digging into the diamond world, like, right. I think you're you're totally against ethics as well because you're a vegetarian. Okay, but you bought me these rings. Yeah, I know. So that's why I should take it back. She said, if they're not ethical, that'll be fine. What's a woman? You're a fabulous woman. We'll do that tonight, shall we? Where are you putting them on buy-swap sale or something? <laughs> <laughs> Am I putting them on buy-swap sale? <laughs> what? <the? laughs> yeah, okay. But in all seriousness... Are you just saying this to me because you need some money? <laughs> <laughs> I need some money to buy that polo. <laughs> Brilliant. Love you. <laughs> I told you she'd be all right with it. Wow. She's a keeper. Fuck it, we'll see how that long. <laughs> I'd take the ring while she's sleeping. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> uh, Steve, thank you so much. I know it's not your real name. It's really disrespectful for me to actually thank you using a fake name. But that's the parameters we set out from the start. So Steve, not Steve, thank you for coming on our show and putting up with Tom. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to meet you. You didn't say, I thought you were going to call him a diamond geezer. Oh, fuck it out. We've had enough shit jokes and you finish it off with that. Go on. <laughs> Go on, then. Well, Go on. It's, too, and, yeah, it's too late. Thank and, you, Steve. And Tom, do you want to say thank you or are you just going to be rude? Thank you, Steve. It's been lovely to meet you. No, I've just teed you up. I'm to not do doing that because you, you've made a face. All right. Try it now. You're still making a face. You've just got your eyes shut. <laughs> Steve, you've been a right fucking geezer. A diamond geezer. Do you think we were over-aggressive with Steve at any point there, Joe, on reflection? Uh, I don't think we... uh, Did we knock him? Did did we knock his industry? A little bit. Well, we questioned it. It's important to ask... We held it to the light, didn't we? Yeah, we didn't... Oh, my God. Yeah, and there were so many different prisms... Facets that just reflected from his answers and I have far more clarity now and we really cut to the truth sometimes on the trickier subjects. That's quite good. And I just want to eat carrots now. I feel like a bunny rabbit. It's a shame that we've hit our stride so late in the podcast um, because we are at the end, Joe. If you want to support the show, as always... Search for Joe Marler Show on Patreon. If you'd like another podcast to listen to before the next episode of Joe Marler Show comes out, why not try the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club? G is trying to build the world's biggest cycling club from scratch. Along the way, he's chatting to people like Sir Chris Hoy, Sir Paul Smith, Laura Kenny, and the show is back for a new season. You can learn all the secrets on the Pro Tour and be part of the world's biggest cycling club. Just search for... Geraint Thomas Cycling Club in all your usual podcast places. What do you look like on a bike, Joe? Can't ride one. At all. How can you half ride a bike? <laughs> Could you ride it to the end of your street? Don't have a street. Can you swim? Yes. But how, how long can this go on for? Shame. <laughs> Bye-bye. Crowd Network, a place 
where you belong.